Since his arrival in the States from Cuba just a few years ago, 30-year-old acoustic bass prodigy Carlitos del Puerto has quickly become one of the most recognized and highly sought-after session players in Los Angeles. Having performed or recorded with the likes of Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, Ricky Martin, Steve Lukather, Herbie Hancock, Kevin Eubanks, and many others, Del Puerto is a highly adept player capable of finding and delivering the perfect low-end groove for practically any music style. His formal musical roots are founded on straight-up Cuban music, classical, and jazz. His father, Carlos Del Puerto, was a most accomplished bassist himself, being his most impacting musical influence. Not surprising, Carlitos has won some of the world's most prestigious international jazz awards as an up-and-coming musician in Havana. We welcome a true international artist who is still spreading his wings in Los Angeles, Carlitos Del Puerto. Hey, Carlitos, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thank you so much for having me, guys. Welcome. Hey, Carlitos, uh, bienvenido to Inside Musicast. And uh, I want to start off by saying, a couple of days ago when I spoke with you on the phone, you had said uh, something like this. You had said, man, I'm busy and I guess people like me. And I sort of thought that was sort of funny. But how are you feeling these days that a lot of people are liking you over there in L.A.? You know what, man? I'm I'm very fortunate. I, uh, you know, I have a, a a lot of friends that I have, you know, uh, cultivated throughout all these years, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I just, you know, they keep calling me, and and uh, I'm I'm just very fortunate, man. I, I guess my, you know, all the years that I've had of, of practicing and and all of that have paid off a little bit because I'm 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 still in demand. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm I'm really fortunate, man. I that's all I can say about that. Having been raised in, in Cuba, and now you're living uh, out there in L.A. as a working musician, I, I'm sure you must be adjusting to, you know, the, the culture out there. Did, did your family come with you, or are you there by yourself? I came by myself. I actually was 19 mm -hmm. when I moved uh, from Cuba to Los Angeles, and I came straight to Los Angeles. A lot of people ask me, hey, did you went to Miami? <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, what's I, I was in, I've probably been in Miami like... <laughs> Probably like eight times total. Okay. So wow. I basically came to Los Angeles, and uh, it, it was a big shock for me. And it's kind of funny because when I was back home, you know, and, and you always hear about the United States, oh, the United States is so advanced. And mm -hmm. so I thought, like, the buildings were, like, suspended in the, in the air, and the cars <laughs> were flying. <laughs> so, and so I got here, and it was still a pretty big shock for me. You know, it was right. incredible. And... Uh, Music, musically, it was a big change for me too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I had to first and foremost. I, I've, oh, I always was an uh, an acoustic bass player. Right, right. You know, and and I was always playing, uh, Latin, you know, jazz and and uh, Cuban music and and some classical. I I was raised in in in, in the classical culture over there in the school. That that's what they were teaching in schools. Actually. Right. In Cuba, they never taught any popular music. It was all strictly Russian school, classical. Right. And <clears throat> when I got to Los Angeles, everybody was playing electric bass. So I was like, oh, my God, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do? Right. So, you know, I had to get myself an, an electric bass and, and, and learn and ad adapt to the conditions of work over here, you know? Right. So what was your first bass that you bought? It was a Fender. Uh -huh. I should say, I didn't really buy it. I got it from my father. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of figured. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, one of my father's old basses. I mean, and he, he actually, it's, it's, it's an instrument that has a lot of history 
because it was the bass that my father won the Grammy with it. I carried in that live recording that they oh, did. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's that's the instrument that I started working with. So exactly. it had a little bit of mojo, I guess. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said you came to the United States and to Los Angeles when you were 19. And what was it that ultimately brought you here? Why did you come to the United States and and head to LA? Was it was it music or did you have other other? Uh, uh, well, it was a woman. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> it's always a woman. It it's a woman, always you know, a woman. Uh, I fell in love with a lady, and, uh, you know, I came, I came, she brought me over here, and, and actually, my, my uh, the way I got here was through USC, the university. Okay. I got a, on a scholarship. <clears throat> I sent a few videos playing with different artists in Cuba. I was playing with Gonzalo Ruacaba and Chucho Valdez and stuff, mm-hmm. and I sent sure. it to USC. And the great bassist John Clayton, mm-hmm. I guess he saw the video of, of me playing with these people, and um, uh, and he saw that I could contribute to school. So you know, through USC, they gave me the visa, and I came to United States, and I actually went to school there. Look at that! Very good. Taking us back here to Cuba here for just a second. You, okay. When you were playing and learning bass there, what do you remember? Um, what was your first gig as, as like a professional gig and uh, in, in Cuba? My professional, my, my first professional experience was with a with a pianist, a pianist mm-hmm. called Emiliano Salvador. Okay. Mm-hmm. Emiliano Salvador was a very very famous piano player in Cuba. Was one of the pioneers of of of, of that blend in in between Cuban music and American culture mm-hmm. uh, or Amer- American jazz, as you say. Yeah. Right. And. Uh, I was 16 when I started with him. I was still in school. Actually, that was my second year in school. My goodness. And uh, I remember that his bass player had just left the band, and somebody told him about me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he called my house, and he was very good friends with my father. And he said, hey, Carlos, I heard that your son is really good. You know, I, you know, I, I really would like to audition him, see if he can work with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, my father took me to his house, right? We drove to the house. And I remember it was very early in the morning. And Emiliano lived like in the third floor. So I went out the stairs with my bass. And I get there. He opens the door. And, and he says, hey, how are you? you know, he says, hey. So we, I go in and we start playing. And my father is standing behind me like super nervous. <laughs> He's, he was more nervous than me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> He was standing behind me, and, and Emiliano stops like that, and he said, Hey, Carlos, what, what are you still doing here? I mean, he's got the gig. You, you can go home. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, so that was my first professional experience. So I got to play with him on, and learned a lot yeah. from him. And if I understand this correctly, that, uh, that album that you, you played and recorded with him, that was, uh, that was to be his last album. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah, exactly, and that was my first record. Yeah, interesting. That was my first record, and I have another beautiful uh, uh, tale from that from that era. Mm-hmm. Uh, story from that era, I should say. I uh, that was my first recording, so I've never, I've I had never heard myself uh, back. You know, like like when they play back, and you hear it, like, sure. wow, that's me playing. So right. that was like the first time I ever heard myself like that. Really, and it was really out of tune. <laughs> oh really? <Yeah. laughs> it was really out of tune, and I again, you know, the producer of the record was a, a bass player actually, Eduardo Ramos, and he was like a really dear friend of my father, 
And Eduardo Ramos told me at that time, Carlitos, you really got to check your pitch, you know. Yeah. You, you got to work on that. And looking, you know, remembering back, I remember I was very pissed off at him. <laughs> I was like, man, what an envious guy, you know. Why is he saying that? Man, I thank him so much for saying that. <laughs> you thought you were in pitch, you were in tune, and you were, you were not, huh? <laughs> yeah, because I was very out of tune. It was true. You know, so I went back home, and I worked on my stuff, you know. I was working on it, and and actually, that record came out really good. Oh, that's neat. That's great. <laughs> well, you sort of tend to start uh, your career at the very top with uh, working with that, that you know, Emiliano, uh, uh, such a famous pianist and composer. So I guess you were at the very top. So I guess you, uh, you know, you were destined to just keep riding that big wave, you know? <laughs> well, at, after the Emiliano gig, I, you know, I had a, a really good gig with, uh, with Chucho Valdez and, and, uh, and an American saxophonist, Chico Freeman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that was at a at the jazz festival in Havana, which is a very good. It's like a very big venue for like open commerce, you know, like new musicians and stuff. So that was like my big break in Cuba. Yeah. After that gig that I had there with Chico Freeman and Chucho and stuff, and actually, the band was incredible. Is Ernesto Simpson, which is the drummer now with Richard Bona, mm -hmm. and the late great Ang Anga, the percussionist. Mm -hmm. right? That passed, just passed away, mm -hmm. sadly. And then Chujo was playing piano, Chico Freeman, and I was playing bass. That was like my first big break. And, and after that, you know, I kind of was like, wow. And at that time, there were not many young people playing acoustic bass in Cuba. Right. Everybody was playing electric bass. Yeah. Really? Huh? Mm -hmm. You know, and I owe that to my father. My father did not let me learn electric bass. He said, no, you got to learn acoustic bass. That's what you got to learn. And. You know, so I thank him for that. Yeah, definitely. Well, it and, just it, uh, after that, I really started working a lot back home in Cuba. Right. And then I I started playing with Jose Maria Vitier, which is another big composer in Cuba. Then Hernan Lopez Nusa was another big uh, gig that I had in Cuba. Gonzalo. Then came Frank Emilio Flynn. And then I started doing the records, the Cubanismo records. Right. Uh -huh. That. That actually were pretty famous here in the state. Absolutely, they've been around here uh, for jazz fest and touring, uh, um, you know, for for years, and they they put on one heck of a show, you know. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, I, I have a funny story about that. Go ahead. Uh, when Cubanismo, I, when I left Cuba, you know, there was a period that I could not uh, travel out of the uh, the United States. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to stay here for for a certain period. So at that time. Uh, Alemania, Jesus Alemania, the trumpet player, mm -hmm. called me and he said, hey, Carlitos, hey, man, we got a tour coming up and, and we really want you to come with us and stuff. And, and I said, look, man, I, I cannot travel out of the country right now, but my father is not working. He, my father had just left Iraqueri at that time. Mm -hmm. He's not working. So he said, wow, really? So he called my father. My father started working with Cubanismo. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, so you're the one that made the first... For a couple of years and and actually, did one record with them too. Really? Yeah. So, so you were contacted. I mean, you played. You were with Cubanismo, and then you passed your dad on to them. So he gets sort of a little yeah, backwards. That, huh? was, that was great. And I, actually, one of the first time that they came to United States, they played here in the city, mm -hmm. and I went to see them, and I got to play bass. My father and, and me, we both played on the same stage. On the same stage, that That's was fantastic. Awesome. 
That's wow. pretty cool. That's cool. Hey, listen, I, I wanted to point out one thing. You were talking about the jazz festival there in Havana. And, uh, you know, I, I know you're probably a little sh- shy on this thing or uh, humble, but, you know, I want to point out to our audience that, uh, that you were, you know, you've been a, you've, you've received your share of musical recognition and awards. I think at 17, you were named, uh, one of the best jazz new artists at the International Jazz Festival in Havana. Is that, that's correct, isn't it? That's correct. That was that, uh, show that I did with Chico Freeman mm-hmm. and stuff. That was when, they saw me, and actually, at that show, Bruce Lumbaugh, Bruce Lumbaugh, the uh, the head of uh, Blue Note, yeah, was there, and he approached me, and he was like, "Wow, you gotta give me your card and your phone number and stuff." And actually, I, I didn't know who he was at the time, you know. Yeah. You know, I was so naive, I didn't know, so I, I didn't pursue him more. But he actually approached me on, on that. That festival. Um, hey, listen. I want I want to mention something about your your dad, and you can you can uh, tell us a little bit more. But of course, he was uh, one of the founding and original members of Itakire, Uh and uh, but he was also a professor, and he was also a writer of a very famous book that's currently used. Tell us a little bit about that book. Cachao is the father of of the mambo, and and uh, and maybe the fa- father of of Latin bass playing. Yes, if I could say. Mm-hmm. I, if I say this, I would not be mistaken by saying that my father is the uh, the father of Cuban bass player, the modern Cuban bass player. Mm-hmm. Playing. My father was a teacher. He used to teach in in uh, in Havana's conservatory in Amadeo Rodan first, mm-hmm. and then the National School of Arts. And during that time, he noticed that there was really not that many tools for electric bass playing, which was what he was teaching at that time. Mm-hmm. There was plenty of books for, for acoustic bass playing, but there was not many things for electric bass playing and, and specifically Cuban music. Gotcha. So he joined forces with a really dear friend of his, uh, Silvio Vergara, mm-hmm. and they both came up with this beautiful method of, of the history. It's, it's, it's basically the history of Cuban music through the bass. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they go through all the different styles, and, you know, and that book taught so many of, of, of these incredible bass players, uh, the new generation of Cuban bass players that have come out of Cuba. And they, they don't necessarily live in Cuba right now. They live in Spain. They live in, you know, all over Europe and all over the United States also. Mm-hmm. Also, there is another method that wasn't very known here in the United States, but that was very instrumental on, on the upbringing of all those musicians, too. He was a, tech, a technique book that he did for the electric bass also. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was very instrumental in, in the development of a lot of Cuban bass players. I can mention, you know, hundreds of his students that developed through his method. I guess, you know, you might have to be in the Cuban Latin music circle to appreciate, you know, how renowned your, your father actually is because, yeah. you know, he literally changed the whole method, you know, Cuban music has taught and played. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because in, in, in my travels around the world and stuff, I've, I've found and I met a lot of people that were not necessarily bass players. And when I mentioned, you know, Irakere, for example, my, the, the name of the band that my father used to be, Irakere, your dad was a bass player. Oh, my God, your dad changed my life. And, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's really incredible the, the, how 
that band transform the music yeah. scene in Cuba, not mm -hmm. only music in, in Cuba, in Latin America. Hiraquere sure. was an incredible band. Oh, so yeah. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Mm hmm. All right, well, one last thing about your dad. Um, this, uh, the uh, Smithsonian Museum commissioned a six-CD interview uh, with him for its Jazz Oral History Program. I, that's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, really. Yes. Yes, actually. Uh, as I said, he's, he's been, you know, he's a very, how, how to say this, he's, he's an incredible teacher. Yeah. But with very accessible words. You know, he's not a guy that has, like, a very intricate uh, vocabulary. You know, and mm -hmm. sure, uh, of course, not in English. You know, this is not our prim primarily language, so it's, right, we right. cannot express ourselves like in Spanish. Right. But in Spanish, he's not like a very, he's very streetwise kind of his mm -hmm. language. Yeah. So I guess he approached that history of all, all the, uh, the, the jazz in Cuba and all that in that way. So it's very accessible for younger generations and, and, and the old generations, too. Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting to, to to see that. You had mentioned a couple minutes ago that uh, about we we're talking about Cachao, and uh, maybe for our audience, uh, I just want to mention that Cachao's nephew Orlando or Cachaito is uh, famous for being part of the Buena Vista Social Club group, which I'm sure got a lot of publicity here a few years back, and which I also always recommend for for listening or looking at that that DVD. It's really neat. But you were going to mention something about the Buena Vista Social Club. Remember a couple seconds ago? Yeah, tell me this, about this, that. This is a story uh, that I wanted to say about Cachaido. Yeah. You know, Cachao was, very, was a very dear friend of my father, too, of course. My dad, you know, they actually, they used to have like a, like a club of bass players that they used to have like a party every, you know, every such day of a month. They would pick a day and all these bass players would join and have an incredible party. But the story is that Cachao was the jury on, on uh, see, when I was in the National School of Art, mm -hmm. like at the end of, of every month, we will have like a, a like an exam, sure. right? That we have to show the, the the pieces that we we were working, the classical pieces and stuff. And Cachaido used to be one of the jurors. Really? Yeah. So he used to come every month and and you know and 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 tell me that give me pointers or what I was doing right or what I was doing wrong and stuff. And it was kind of, 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 of difficult for me to keep a straight face because he was like family to me. Great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, so he would be there and he would be telling me, like, hey, you, you got to watch, you know, the fourth finger. And, I, you know, I really wanted to laugh, you know? <laughs> so he was like a really dear friend of our family. And I'm, I'm so sorry that I didn't get to see him. And he just passed away not wow. long ago, actually. Wow, gee whiz. Well, at least one thing for sure is that you probably got a good grade every time. Oh, yeah. You know what? I practice. I practice a lot. <laughs> That's funny. I did practice a lot, yeah. Exactly. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your studies. You you first studied, if I'm correct, cello performance. Is that correct? Yes, yes. And, and what age did you actually start preparing, you know, for the, the classical or the formal training with the cello, Caritos? I started at, at the age of eight years. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually, my mother, Marielena, was the... You know, she was guilty for bringing me to school because my father didn't really want me to be a musician. And, uh, you know, one day, and my father at that time was really famous in Cuba, so he didn't want to go to, to, this, to the school when I went to, uh, to take the test to, to become a music student because it's like a very specific test. Not all the kids would have 
could get in in the school, so it was kind of difficult. So my mom took me, and, and she, she gave my name and stuff, Puerto, so the teachers wouldn't know who I was, because if she says Del Puerto, they, everybody knows who my father was, Carlos de Puerto. So when she took me to school, he said, oh, this is Carlitos Puerto, you know, he's just a regular kid. So I took the test, and I passed and stuff. And, <laughs> and uh, I started taking cello like around eight years old, and, and to tell you the truth, I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> you know, I wasn't very good at it, and uh, you know my you know my father was always like, "You cannot do that to me, Uncle de Puerto." You know, you, <laughs> you gotta make me look good. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. But I said, you know, Dad, I think the problem is the instrument. <laughs> of course, I, I don't really like the cello. Of course, you know, I need I something like bigger. Bass. Really, you like the acoustic bass? Yeah, and I really like the acoustic bass. So, <laughs> this, you guys gonna like this story. <laughs> so he hooked me up with a really dear friend of his, Manolo Manuel Valdez, which was my teacher. Uh-huh. Manuel was the first bass player in the Cuban Symphony Orchestra. And uh, Manuel was one of, of, of those guys that was sent by the Cuban government to Moscow to study at the Tchaikovsky Conservatory. So this guy was one of the most incredible classical bass players I've ever seen. Wow. Mm-hmm. So... My father said, okay, you're going to have to go and visit Manuel, and when you go and visit Manuel, you're going to tell him that you're my son, and, you know, you'll be taken care of. So I said, okay, great. So I go to the National School of Arts, and, and by coincidence, Manolo was standing in the gates of the school. So I get there, Manolo was talking to a couple of friends of his, and, and, uh, and I interrupt him. And I say, hey, are you uh, Manuel Valdez? And he looks at me, he says, yes, why? And I said, well, I'm, I'm Carlitos de Puerto. And he says, so what? <laughs> he looks at me cold, like in front of his friends. Uh-huh. I was, and, and all his friends were laughing, like, so, you know, hard. I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, just just sit over there. So I sat and waited for him, like, for an hour. So finally he finished talking to his friends and stuff. We go into a room. And he said, okay, pick up the bass. Let me see what you what you can play. I said, I play, and I played really poorly, you know, it was really bad. And the guy stops me in the middle of what I was trying to play, and he says, man, are you really the son of Carlos? <laughs> 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 you know, so I was like, oh, my God. So he actually, I guess his method with me was like to be really harsh. <laughs> you know, so I w- it made me, I was so pissed off at every time I would go to bass <laughs> classes that it made me, practice so much <laughs> I practice 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 so he wouldn't say anything to me you know yeah <laughs> so this went on like for four years and at the end of the four years you know I had an incredible concert my graduation concert was incredible Chucho Ades was there Anga uh, Frank Emilio well, it, was, it was it was a great concert and at the end of that concert when everything was said and done he came to me and he said this is your bass. And he gave me his bass. Wow. He really wow. A 250-year-old German bass. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow, do you still have it? I still have it. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah. I still have that's, it. It's that's, my teacher's bass. That's a very cool story. And and when do you use that bass, if ever, these days? Actually, that bass, I never take it out of the house. I, I only use that for sessions and stuff. I, I That bass has been used in a bunch of, like, commercials and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the Jack in the Box and uh, Carl's Jr., a bunch of uh-huh. commercials that I do here in town. Really? 
I'm just curious. You, um, I've seen your MySpace site, and you have a photo of you. It's like a profile shot of you standing next to uh, an upright bass. Is that is that the bass? Yeah. Is that the one you're referring yeah, to? Yeah. Okay. All right. That's one you're trying to eat, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a great photo, by the way. I think it's a wonderful photo. Yeah, that's how I feel every time I go to play. I gotta eat these. Yeah. Things. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. My goodness. You know, another musician Carlitos has had the pleasure of working with a couple of years ago is the ex-Minute work lead singer Colin Hay. And uh, here's a sample of a track from Colin's Are You Looking At Me release from 2007. This is a track called Here in My Hometown featuring our guest today, Carlitos Del Preto. the city is flying all around sprays of fine mist over and switches off the sound watch you as you slip away watch the sun go down such a perfect light here sample of the Colin Hay song called Here in My Hometown, featuring none other than today's guest, Carlitos Del Puerto. That's pretty cool. Well, let's jump ahead a little bit. Um, you're ready to begin your second leg of the Steve Lukather Ever-Changing Times Tour. And uh, Steve Weingard, who's the music director and plays keys in Luke's band, and, and uh, he was a guest of our show just uh, about a month ago, um, he, he's the guy who actually hooked you up with uh, Steve Lukather. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Weingard is a really dear friend of mine for years. Yeah. 
Uh, we, I've known him for for a few years now, and uh, mm-hmm. we've always kept a really great friendship. And uh, you know, Wangi called me one day, and 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 you know, he mentioned this thing of of Luke. I was like, wow, I was so excited, you know. And yeah. uh, I, I'll tell you about my audition with Luke. This <laughs> guy's gonna like this one. Luke, <laughs> Please do. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I said, okay. You know, one guy said, okay, Luke wants to meet you. You know, he really wants to meet you. And I said, oh, wow, should I bring the bass? And he said, no, no, don't bring the bass. So he invites us to a place that is called Mexicali here in town. Uh-huh. It's like a bar. Yeah. You know, and I sat there, and we just talked all night, and, and they brought a few uh, shots of tequila and a little Patron, and, you know, we're drinking Patron. And, and you, I guess he was just t- seeing how what kind of... Uh, personality I had uh-huh. so at, at the end of that meeting he said hey man you got the gig <laughs> <laughs> so, you know I got he wasn't even musically it was like you know I guess he trusted so much the judgment of, of Wangi uh-huh. you know Weingart as you say yeah that, that uh, I like Wangi better <laughs> yeah you know that that the, the music he knew that I would I would do a good job you know after Weingart's word on. Yeah. So then we started the rehearsals and stuff, and it was fantastic, man. We the whole band really clicked, as as you know, with the music and humanly too. Well, I got to tell you, everybody the re- got along and stuff. I got to tell you the real reason why you got that gig mm-hmm. is because you drank the right stuff. Oh wow! <laughs> and this is a, this is. A and, and you know what? I'm not really a drinker. I don't drink that much, but at that day, I had to. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, you, you come, like you explained earlier, from a, a classical and a jazz background. So I'm curious, you know, before joining the touring band, did you have many opportunities to play rock prior to this experience? And tell us a little about any challenges you might have had adapting to Luke's style. Actually, I, I did have, you know, as L.A. is a very, it's a very musical town. I mean, a lot of people said, oh, L.A., you know, it's a weird town. It, it, it hasn't been for me. Uh-huh. You know, I've I've always had the chance to play in so many different situations, you know, like, uh, let's say, Armenian music, uh, you know, uh, classical, film music, you know, mm-hmm. all kinds of different stuff. And in between all those experiences I had, I had the chance of playing rock and roll, and I played some rock and roll with different cats over here uh-huh. prior to Luke's tour. So, you know, I get that question a lot of times, like, oh, wow, this is like a really away from what you used to do with the jazz stuff. And I said, yeah, well, in a certain uh, way, yes, and a certain way, no, because I had yeah. a little bit of experience prior to, to coming to Luke. Now, mm-hmm. Luke's style is, like, way more demanding. It's, like, more aggressive. It's, right. It's, it's a different of what I was used to doing. Right, right. But it just took a little bit of, of, of getting used to it and... Uh, and once I got it, it it's, it's just it's been a blast. It's been great. Yeah, you know, one thing I wanted to mention, you know, Luke the other day on uh, the it was the Toto Network where he sometimes he goes in and, and posts blogs. He mentioned uh, that you know with touring costs on the rise, that the band and the crew are all going to be, uh, I guess, on the bus together on this next tour. And, and so he said you'll be able to get to know each other real well if you didn't know him before. <laughs> oh, <laughs> said, that, I, that would, that'll be for sure. You know, I've ha- I've had the good fortune of being able to spend some time with Luke in the studio. But what's it like being being out on the road with him? Man, Luke is a beautiful human being. You know, he's a beautiful human being, and I mean. What to say about his guitar playing, too? I mean, we don't have to talk about that. He's a guitar, <laughs> right. a guitar god. You right, know? right. <clears throat> but the same way he's as a guitar player, he's as a human being. He's like, 
you know, I've I've had the opportunity of working with a lot of big big artists and stuff, and and it, you always get the perception of of the artist is there and you're down here. Yeah. And with Luke, it's totally different. Luke is so accessible. You know, he's like, if we ain't there in the bus, he's not in the limousine in front of the bus. He will be in the bus there with you. Right, right. And, uh, you know, he's just incredible, man. And, yeah. and I enjoy every minute of being with him in the road, musically and, and, and with him as a human being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was reading uh, somewhere an interview uh, online with you, or maybe it was perhaps it was your website. I'm not sure what the source was, but you had mentioned some of your uh, influences as a, as a bass player, and and some of the ones that you know that um, that I thought were interesting was was Paul McCartney from the Beatles. Uh, you mentioned Sting, and uh, you mentioned a lot of different people. But uh, one of them that struck a chord with me was the fact that you um, had been picking up on a lot of Mike Percaro's bass lines. Yeah, yeah. What is it about Mike that that intrigues you? His style. Yeah. He, you know, he, he was just a guy that was just to the point, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, and that's one thing that I've been learning how to do lately, you know. I've, I probably, from coming from the jazz background, I've, I've, you know, I was really about, like, filling up a lot of space. And now, through his lines and stuff, I've learned to really find what sits well with the songs and not really what, what league I could play in it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I've really learned a lot from listening to him. And uh, and also maybe, and this is, again, going back to the conversation we had before about when I got here, you know, as I said, I didn't play electric bass before. Right. So this was like a whole new experience to me. And mm-hmm. another guy that I learned from a lot was James Jamerson. Oh, yeah, yeah. James Jamerson was very, very big on me in my development, you know. I've learned a lot of what I do nowadays from him. Yeah. That's neat. One more question about uh, the band you're in with Steve Lukather. Um, you and uh, Eric Valentine are the uh, the rhythm section, and, and uh, this is probably, was I'm assuming that this is probably your first uh, interaction with, with Eric on this. Uh, how do you like working with him? I love working with Eric. Yeah. Eric is a, it's, it's incredible as a musician, as a human being too, and, and we've become like really good friends, mm-hmm. and we've had the chance of, of working we look while we look, and then after look, we be, we kept on working together because I recommend him for things, and he recommends me for things. And right. you know, I I admire him as as a human being and as a drummer. Mm-hmm. He's an incredible drummer. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. Well, well, we had the chance of, of course, uh, meeting you face to face and and watching you perform on the first leg of of Luke's tour here. And I tell you, the vibe and the synchronicity, I think it, it was all there. I mean, everybody was working in sync and uh, it seemed to be it was the right team for the for that tour you know i think so yeah. i think so i uh and and that was apparent since the rehearsals you know so when we were during the rehearsals for the tour it became apparent that it would be a really good band yeah you know because everybody could bring it in their own way mm-hmm. you know eric had his thing weingar is an incredible and then ricky z yeah He's brought his, you know, his incredible talent too, and I did yeah. a little bit of my thing, and and Luke, of course. I wanted to ask uh, you about a name that you've, another person that you've worked with in the past, and that's Roy Hargrove, the horn player. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with him. I'm very curious about that. Okay, Roy, I got a chance to play with Roy in Cuba. Really? Yeah. At the yeah, jazz that's, festival. That's when I met Roy, mm-hmm. and uh, he at that time he was doing the, uh, he he I think that was. 
prior to his recording of Crisol, mm-hmm. which was very famous here in, in, in the United States. He got Grammys and stuff. So he went, that was all, all during the Havana Jazz Festival, and they put together a band of Cuban musicians to back him up, and I was in the band, so we got to play for a whole, you know, like a week, and we did TV shows and stuff. And, and it was only not Roy, it was uh, Steve Coleman was on the band also. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was a fantastic experience, and and then I've I've got to see uh, Roy here. We've actually we coined, we uh, made a Capitol Records. I was doing a recording, and he was there mixing his his latest CD, and we're like, man, we gotta reconnect again. We gotta do something together, and you know, hopefully something will happen in the future. Yeah, very cool, very neat. I want to ask you a little question because once you, uh, I guess you, you're preparing to take off on that second leg with Steve, like we said a couple minutes ago. But when you come back, um, will your relationship with uh, the new alliance, uh, you, Steve Weingart, and Frank Gambale, and Tom Brakeline, and you, you have a couple, you know, you've played quite a bit at Lavalie. Yeah, that, that was a fantastic band, man, that we had. Yeah. And uh, we actually were supposed to do a recording together and stuff, but. You know, everybody here is so busy. You know, we the schedules never sure. got to. We all will be in one one spot to do it. Yeah. But I'm really looking forward to to do something else because I miss Tom Breckline and, and Frank. Yeah. And actually, Frank called me to be part of his trio and stuff, and offered me a few dates, but I couldn't do them because because I'm I'm playing with Luke. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about. Uh your touring equipment and your rig setup. Do you? How heavy do you travel? Do you, when, especially when you're going to Europe, do you travel fairly light? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm very fortunate because I have a a few companies that take care of me. You know. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And thank God I don't have to travel with the bass amp. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. Huh. <laughs> you know? That's good. So I'm, I'm with Galen Kruger, and they provide me mm-hmm. with all my systems over there. So when I get to Europe, all my rig is there. And then on the bass side. I only take two instruments, you know, and I'm with with uh, Music Man, so Music Man also provides me oh, okay. instruments, you know. Right. Hey, guys, uh, let's take another quick break and check out yet another sample of a track that Carlitos performed on. Uh, this time, uh, this track is with Horatio El Negro Hernandez. This is a song called Aw Shucks.
Carlitos, uh, we're getting towards the end of the interview here, but I want to ask you a question. You know, we've talked about different types of music uh, with you. You know, you've you're accomplished in Cuban as a Cuban musician, jazz, progressive jazz, rock, classical. Um, what other types? You know, as as you're coming here to the states and you're you're broadening your whole musical experience and your whole um, how should I say your perspective? You know, uh, on, on music. What what do you see out there that is interesting to you that you haven't touched on a certain genre or something out there that that you'd like to experiment with? What what's what's going through uh, your mind uh, in regards to um, you know musical uh, things lately? I actually been being able to pretty much experience. Pretty much all. I mean, I haven't played Bulgarian music. <laughs> <laughs> polka, polka music, you know, huh? like gypsy kind of. You know, I, I would love to do that. It's, it sounds to it, 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 it seems to me that it's pretty complicated. All the ad meter stuff, but yeah, uh, pretty much everything I've been able to do. And I've, I've, you know, I've been doing. I've done a few hit records with Mexican artists, like playing uh, cumbias and stuff. Sure, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, and then I play with Dr. Dre in Dr. Dre's 2000 album, playing hip hop. So I've, I've been able to do all these these dreams of mine that I've, you know, what things that I dream of. Sure, I've, I've been yeah. able to accomplish them. Thank to all my good friends and, and my good fortune, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. Hey, well, Carlitos, you're going to be on the road with Luke until what the uh, end of May or, or middle of May? Uh, till April, uh, I think it's April 15th. Oh, okay. I'm I'm sorry. It's April nineteenth. Okay, mm-hmm. and then uh, when you get back, what other projects or what other uh, things do you have in the, in the works? I I have in the works. I uh, I actually was telling Eddie that I I had a uh, a call from the management of of uh, Chris Boti. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Bobby Colombi, oh, the yeah. guy that helped Jackal with his record, the yeah. producer of Jackal's record. Right. Bobby right. called me and offered me some days with Chris Boti. Wow. That I couldn't do at at uh, at the moment. When he called me, because they were, they were at the same time of Luke's tour, but hopefully I will be working in the future with him. Yeah, it's wonderful. And uh, and then I have another band that I play, Omar Torres Band. is up, uh, and Omar, and then I play with Stronson Farah, and uh, I have a few things in the works. Thank God. I keep busy, man. Thank yeah, God. That's, that's awesome. wonderful. That is so good. Uh, Eddie and I had a chance to see Chris Bodie perform. Uh, it was about a year and a half ago, or maybe it was last year about this time. And, uh, man, what what an incredible musician he is and the band he put together. I think that's what knocked me out even more than his talent was the band he put together. And he's, he's got a, a really killer killer band. And all of those guys come from the jazz background. Billy oh, yeah. Kilson and uh, Billy Childs. Actually, yeah, right. Billy Childs was the one that recommended me. Uh-huh. For my, and these are guys that are have, have all crossover to you know like a pop jazz kind of situation exactly but having those really strong jazz roots you know right yeah. and uh one more question for you are you i noticed uh, i don't think you have any solo projects uh you know your own your own albums right mm-hmm. no I, not not at the moment yeah are you working on anything like that or yes that that's uh, that's something that i actually have proposed myself that i have to accomplish this year yeah. you know i i've, I've always been you know, fortunate to work with different people and stuff, and all my time is is is, is dedicated to working other people's projects and stuff. But right. it's the time for me to do something, and 
hopefully I will get to call all these good friends of mine that I work all these years and yeah. and having been part of, of my project. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Well, we'll have to keep in touch with you on that and uh, see where you are later on in, down the road. Exactly. You'll be the first ones to get it. <laughs> that's, uh, that sounds cool. Well, I wanted to point out to everybody that um, that's listening, you can learn more about Carlitos at MySpace, right? And yeah, and, yeah uh, MySpace page. And uh, I am actually currently working in, in uh, updating my website and, mm-hmm. and, and being a more news-friendly that I can update it more and stuff and put more music and more clips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things like that. Well, there's even currently right now. I know. I know you'll be updating the site, but there's still an awful lot of neat photos of right. of uh, the history of, of your family, your dad, and the people that you've worked with, from Herbie Hancock all the way to Roy Hargrove to my goodness to Dr. Dre. Um, you're an incredibly uh, versatile musician at, at such a young age, and I think uh, your future looks. I mean, uh, amazingly yeah. bright. So we yeah. just wish you the best, Carlitos, and everything that you do. Okay. I thank you so much for giving me the chance of, of, of being in your show, and uh, I hope my English is not too bad for the listeners. No, it's great. <laughs> I tell you what, your, your it's English not is... not too bad, and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, thank you again for having me. It's an honor for me to be part of your show. Muy excelente. Gracias. Muchas gracias. Thank you very much for being with us. Thank you so much. Very special thanks to Carlitos Del Puerto for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. Be sure to join us again on March 23rd when Inside Music Cast welcomes Jay Graydon. For more information about Inside Music Cast, check out our website at InsideMusicCast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and MySpace. We'd love to hear from you, and we always take our listeners' input and suggestions into consideration. So drop us an email anytime at input at InsideMusicCast.com. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside Music Cast.